Hello and welcome to Overdrive, a motoring and transport program where facts are important, but so is passion and opinion. I'm David Brown, and in this program we have new stories, including a new Haval hybrid, Renault's hydrogen power van, and the pandemic leaves one third of Aussies feeling more adventurous. In a feature interview, we get the rundown on the just-announced Range Rover, including a few nifty features. We also get an update on Ford's move to focus on hot hatches in their small car range and the image-setting Mustang Mach-E electric vehicle. And finally, in quirky news, Brian Smith ponders growing vegetables on the roof of taxis. Now, there's always more information at drivenmedia.com.au or previous programs are available as podcasts on iTunes or Spotify. And you can go to our Facebook page, Overdrive City Driven Media. So let's get this program going. First, the news. London has extended its ultra-low emission zone where vehicles have to meet modern emission standards or pay a $23 daily charge. This includes cars, motorcycles, vans and specialist vehicles and minibuses and is in addition to any congestion charge. James Scrimshaw from Jaguar Land Rover Australia says that the just-announced new Range Rover plug-in hybrid has a system to help ensure you are running on batteries in such areas. The vehicle can also understand geofencing, so it will know when it's going into a low emission zone and will switch over to EV mode. If it knows you're going in that direction, it will turn on the engine beforehand if you are running down on your electric power to ensure that you can drive around that zone just in pure electric until you leave and then the engine may start up again after you leave. So it's very intelligent. Uh, it's, it's Things are moving along very quickly in that way, especially in the UK. Car companies often help organise track days for their customers. Ben Nightingale, Ford's communication manager in Australia, has seen these events flourish with the removal of lockdowns in some states. We work with a company called Driving Solutions in Sydney who operate track days and driver training programs from Sydney Motorsport Park at Eastern Creek. They've reopened, the lockdown's ended and they're at, you know, fully subscribed in terms of their track days to the point where they're actually hosting track nights from sort of 5pm in, uh, in, in the afternoon you can go to the track and drive your car after work under lights in a safe controlled environment you know test its performance which is definitely something you're unable to do on the road and then drive home so it's a it's definitely something we're seeing more and more of. Great Wall Motors produce Haval SUVs and will expand their range in early 2022 with an H6 hybrid. Their H6 is classified as a medium-sized SUV and has more than tripled its sales this year, but the category is still dominated by the Toyota RAV4 and the Mazda CX-5, with reasonably good sales performances from Mitsubishi Outlander, Nissan X-Trail, Hyundai Tucson and Subaru Forester. The Haval Hybrid will be powered by a 1.5-litre turbocharged petrol engine and it will have a two-speed electric motor. The result is a strong power figure of 179 kilowatts and a mighty 530 newton metres of torque. Typically, at the moment, full electric vehicles only have a single gear 
as they develop their large torque figures from zero revs, but they're not as strong at higher revs. Having one gear is a way to reduce costs, but multiple gears might be the next stage. Renault has revealed a hydrogen fuel cell commercial vehicle with a 12 cubic metre carrying space. It will be available in 2022. The vehicle was developed in partnership with Hyvia, which is a collaboration with energy power provider Plug Power. Like other hydrogen-powered vehicles, it has a dual system of a fuel cell and a battery to power the electric motor. The battery, which is sizable in this case at 33 kilowatt hours, is ostensibly there to harvest energy when a vehicle is slowing down. The overall range is said to be 500 kilometres, which is well within the distance travelled per day by an average delivery van. Customers can have hydrogen delivered or they can purchase, lease or rent a Hyvia Echo system, which produces hydrogen on site through water electrolysis. Refueling times are comparable to internal combustion engine powered vehicles at around 5 minutes. A survey by Mitsubishi shows that one third of Aussies say they feel more adventurous and are willing to try something new compared to before the pandemic. More than 40% of respondents indicated they plan to prioritise travel within their home state, while 31% are prioritising interstate travel, and a quarter are looking forward to heading overseas. Consequently, Mitsubishi thinks the Great Australian Getaway will be a mainstay of Christmas-summer 2021. And the ideal adventure? One third say it has to be a beach or coastal region, while the next five preferences are an outback adventure, a rainforest adventure, a big city adventure, the bush or the snow. A third of Australians say they have saved money during the pandemic, which they intend to use for domestic travel. Half say the preferred mode of travel is driving, with three quarters saying they plan on taking a road trip in 2022. Perhaps as a result of homeschooling, Australians with children under 18 living at home are twice as likely as those without children to say they feel much more adventurous. And that has been the news. The first Range Rover came out in 1969 and was not aimed at the luxury market. It had vinyl seats and a plastic dashboard. It has been said, perhaps as folklore, that it was designed to be washed down with a hose. Needless to say, it has evolved. Now, Jaguar Land Rover has announced the latest model using words like defines modern luxury, serene comfort, more refinement, customer choice for personalisation. We are yet to see it, but it does. Sorry, we are yet to see it, but to give a flavour of this upcoming vehicle, James Scrimshaw is the PR manager for Jaguar Land Rover Australia. G'day, James. Are you salivating at the prospect? G'day, David. Yes, absolutely. Um, myself and the whole team at Jaguar Land Rover Australia are excited about this one. It's it's not often you get to launch an all-new Range Rover, so, um, yeah, all very excited here. Is it on sale in some parts of the world, but not here yet? Not just yet. We revealed it this week at the London Opera House. It was a big event over there, and in some markets it's going to be available from Q2 next year, including Australia. So we're expecting it around June 2022. Modernist design philosophy. Now, the first one was very square with clearly defined edges. 
Now, this new vehicle, smooth design, but it doesn't look like a typical boxy SUV. How do you achieve that Range Rover look? This is the fifth generation Range Rover, and I guess it takes Land Rover's modernist design philosophy to, a, to another level. It's still a contemporary interpretation of the profile, but it's, it's really taken it to another level. For example, it's defined by three lines, all Range Rovers are, that clearly have their origins back to the original car. There's a gently accelerated roof, a very strong waistline with a horizontal emphasis, and it has a lower rising sill. Now, all of those features have been on every Range Rover since the beginning, and it sort of gives you almost a teardrop shape and also the illusion of converging at a, a point behind the vehicle. Very, very design talk, but that's uh, exactly what they've been trying to do. And also it has a floating roof. We've always had a floating roof, an upright windscreen, and a clamshell bonnet. So all of those design features speak to the heritage of the Range Rover. What's a floating roof? A floating roof is when we, uh, I know it sounds very technical, but it's blacking out all the A, B, and C pillars. So therefore, the, the body colour and the roof colour are the same, but it looks like it's floating due to um, what you can do visually just by painting and blacking out certain items of the car. Rear tail lights, they're different. Yeah, it's, it's something we call, and, and this is uh, something which is, which is new to, to all automotive, we call it hidden until lit technology. So we've worked hard to ensure the rear lights meet the design requirements for providing a, a gloss black finish when not in use. But, but when you click on the brakes or you touch the indicator, the illumination will, will um, come up out of the out of the dark and it meets all modern safety regulations. But it is a real design element that we're quite proud of. And it gives it a distinctive design signature without compromising any safety. Well, it also means that it's quite a distinction between the lights, the brake lights on and off, mm. that you have this very dark around the lights. But then when the, the I presume the red brake light comes on, it's a total contrast to what it has been. Absolutely. So, yeah, it'll just be gloss black until you touch those brake lights or you put an indicator on or you go into reverse and then the light will, will shine through. And they've, they've done that by some really cool technology where they actually shine the light inwards and it reflects backwards to give it a, a sort of a hazy look. But, yeah, it, they're really state of the art. And it's one of those things that the Range Rover owner is going to love. And it's on all models. Interior, the exterior has, I think, clean lines. So is the interior. It's not as busy, for example, as your Velar. Yeah, well, the Velar, uh, I'm not sure when the last time you one, it, it, it is still very clean in the Velar, and they've, they've been working for a few years to, to take on this minimalistic approach where they get rid of buttons and have, you know, each function does several things by either pushing or pulling to get rid of an array of buttons in the car. So, it's it's really compelling the interior, very modern, sophisticated, um, lots of technology and and intuitive features in there, which which you'll discover once you actually get to sit in one day. I've been doing some uh, interviewing and having chats to Professor Mick Regan from the University of New South Wales that talks about distraction and concern and maybe even rating cars in the future on their distraction and a voice actuation can be very good unless it doesn't work well and then it can produce frustration. You've built in Amazon Alexa. What does that mean? So the new Range Rover, it's actually the first vehicle available in Australia that will have Alexa built into the vehicle. So we have a system called the Pivi Pro infotainment system. So each car will have this feature built into it. And many Australians would be aware of what Alexa is. Uh, it's an artificial intelligence that helps you stay organised, productive, connected at home. Many people may know it from that. But it can also be a very good companion on the road. 
So where this sort of technology shines is is when you should be focused on another task, and that goes for for the car and as much as you know a kitchen or a living room. So if you use your voice command to control functions like navigation, voice, calling, etc., queuing up your music, then it allows the driver to keep their hands on the wheel and eyes on the road and, and really to focus on the main job at hand. It doesn't stop me linking Apple CarPlay or Android Auto? No, not at all. So in, in fact, um, Range Rover has wireless Apple CarPlay and Android Auto and, and it works in addition to that. So it can be initiated by actually saying Alexa, or pressing the Alexa button on the central 13-inch touchscreen. Now, the engines, the first one that came out had a V8 petrol engine. you still got one of them? We do. So the, as you correctly say, there's always been a V8 engine available in the Range Rover, and we've introduced a new 390-kilowatt, 4.4-litre twin-turbo V8 for this model. So those that love their powertrains, that continues. But um, we also have some other engines, David, for for those that, that aren't interested in the V8, we also have two six-cylinder twin-turbo diesels. They're made by Jaguar Land Rover. They um, also feature a mild hybrid system as well. So, And there's a P400 engine, and that, that's an inline six-cylinder petrol that also has well, turbocharged, but an electric supercharger backed up by the mild hybrid system as well. So really technical engines. We're quite proud of what the offering is. So four engines from launch. When does the plug-in hybrid come out? Yes, so that's available shortly after. So from launch, so this week you can, uh, we're taking orders for the rest of the range, so that the four engines I mentioned. But the plug-in hybrid vehicle, we start taking orders from January, and we expect first deliveries of that vehicle to be second half 2022, so late later next year. Hmm. It's going to be a fantastic addition. That will give us a fifth powertrain available. And a full electric, is that a possibility? An all-electric Range Rover will be available from 2024. We don't have all the details yet. We'll keep that up our sleeve for a little bit longer and, and launch the car as it is. But it's really exciting that this new platform, what we call MLA, was built to take all three types of engines. So it'll take an ICE engine, or it'll take a, a plug-in hybrid, or it'll take a fully electric. So this car has been built and future-proof, so we can transition across to full electric. James, thanks for your time. Not a problem. Great to talk to you. And that's James Scrimshaw, the PR manager for Jaguar Land Rover Australia, talking about the exciting news of an all-new Range Rover vehicle. This is Overdrive across Australia. In the world of SUVs, Jaguar was a little late to the party with its F-Pace, but in this case it's better late than never. F-Pace makes up about 35% of their Australian sales. We're driving the R-Dynamic D300SE, which has a powerful yet economical twin-turbo diesel engine. It's mated to an 8-speed automatic transmission along with all-wheel drive. The F-Pace is an attractive, well-proportioned SUV which combines the benefits of Jaguar's history of saloon ride, handling and comfort, along with the practicality of the SUV body shape. Like all Jaguars, the driver engagement is important and the F-Pace provides a smooth, comfortable yet sporty drive experience. The selectable driver dynamics adds to the fun. There's plenty of standard features that enhance the comfort and safety of occupants and the interior ambience is all luxury. Our model was priced from $95,500 plus usual costs, but we had some options that took the price to around the $114,000 mark, which is easy to do. The F-Pace brings a level of elegance to the prestige SUV segment that is welcome and is a delight to drive. I'm Rob Fraser. This is Overdrive across Australia.
Last week, we had a news story about how Ford's small hatch will be sold only as a hot hatch, their version, the ST. That segment was once dominant in the total market with cars like the Toyota Corolla. Now, since the news story, we have now heard from Ford with a little more detail on the significance of the Focus ST hot hatch. Ben Nightingale is the Ford Australia's product communications manager. Now, I expect him to fly the flag for Ford, but his background also includes being the media and communications manager for 10-time supercar championship winning team, Shell V-Power racing team. I feel this may make it harder to get an impartial view of the relative role and need for performance cars, but let's give it a go. So, good day, Ben. Are you a rev head? Yes, David, I am, absolutely. It runs in the veins. My dad is the reason it sort of I grew up in a car household in southwest Sydney and lots of V eight powered Holdens and Fords on the road back then and um that really set me on the path to um to loving cars and, and, and working in the automotive industry for for my whole career. The Focus ST, the sales for these hot hatches, as part of the mix of the general focus models, has that changed over the years? Yeah, definitely. The the, the ST the F team in the focus range is we've seen that grow to nearly forty percent of the mix um, in twenty twenty one, which is it's you know it, it shows the the market preference towards those kind of vehicles and and it definitely you know alongside the the what we know is the shrinking of the the small car segment in Australia we're seeing the rise of the performance small car in the hot hatches and and that's definitely informed our decision in moving forward and focusing on the ST. Manuals, are there still some of those? Is this a fortress of maintaining that as at least an option? Yeah, look, we, we see manual as definitely still um, important, in, especially in the hot hatch segment. Um, Fiesta ST, our, our smallest hot hatch, is, is manual only. Focus ST is offered with both an eight-speed automatic or a, a no-cost option six-speed manual transmission. In terms of Focus ST, we see sort of a 70-30 split of auto to manual sales. So auto's the overwhelming majority of sales, but um, there's still that, still definitely that market who want to, to shift their own gears. A little hot hatch, good performance. Is it an age thing? Have I moved out of that demographic? Oh, certainly not, David. Uh, we, we find with our Fiesta ST that customers for that vehicle are sort of anywhere from in their early 20s some even younger, right through until people in their 70s. So the vast majority of our customers for that vehicle are sort of between 30 and 55, but it's most certainly a vehicle that's for, uh, it, it, it seems to appeal to a very broad church. You've moved through the period where you've seen this adoption of more smaller engines with turbochargers and that. Now we're moving into SUVs as performance vehicles and not just performance off-road the Mustang Mach-E, it's not a two-door sports car, but an electric SUV. Is that indicative of this sort of building up of the hot SUVs? I think there's definitely, generally speaking, within within the market, we're seeing a shift towards SUVs and, and dual-cab utes. That's what customers are, are showing us that they want by you know opening their wallet and making a purchase. And then, yeah, you're right, if you're somebody who's looking for looking for a performance vehicle but also need the practicality of the SUV in terms of the, for a family vehicle, then you're looking for both. And um, certainly, as you note, the, um, the Mach-E is a very exciting vehicle and, and, and certainly a very high-performance vehicle in a, wrapped in an SUV package.
A high-performance vehicle is typical of the Mustang name, but were there traditionalists that struggled a little bit that it being put that moniker has been put on something other than a two-door sports car? Oh, look, I think there were some, yes, for sure. But I think once people actually drive it, they understand that it's that it's absolutely a Mustang. It's worthy of that name. Uh, when you look at it, yes, it's a four-door SUV, but it's got all of those Mustang styling attributes. It looks like a Mustang. And um, it absolutely performs like a Mustang. It's um, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a very special vehicle. We're going to see it in Australia. Well, the reality right now is that the demand the demand for that car around the world is so great that we we don't have any news to share on plans to bring it to Australia at the moment. We we are moving towards electrification and electrified vehicles. We've recently made some announcements around that and the fact that we'll be bringing five electrified vehicles to Australia before the end of 24 the first of which will be the, the e-transit battery electric van, followed by the Escape plug-in hybrid. We definitely see that the, the market shifting towards electrification and, um, and we are going to um, ensure that we, we provide the right mix of products for, for our customers. Despite comments that may have been made around the time of a federal election, do you see an electric ute as a reality for Australia? It's certainly a reality overseas. I think that if we look at the the way the we look at the market, we look at the move towards electrification. I think that's something that will naturally happen. As you note, Ford Ford recently announced F one fifty Lightning in the United States. Unfortunately, not a vehicle available for us in Australia because it's right it's left hand drive only. There's definitely appetite being shown for that, and I'd expect the to be similar in Australia when the time is right. Uh, there's certainly appetite for it, not just in performance. I know many tradies who think that it. Having a power source like that on site is a very great practical reality. Now, you drive a Mustang yourself, a two-door coupe. Is it the V8 or is it the turbocharged four-cylinder? Yes, I've got the V8 model. I've got a GT. So it's a bright bright red five-litre V8 GT Mustang sitting in my driveway, and I very much enjoy driving it. And I must say, my two my two children, I've got two boys, they very much enjoy riding in it. Oh, you'd be the king dad of the school run, wouldn't you? Yeah, when uh, when I do when I do do the school run in the Mustang, it's um it certainly turns a few heads. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's a critical element of uh, having a car in any family. It's uh, as I've said, I've had the parameter of my son. Will you drive me to school in that car? Factor, and I take it very very seriously. Ben, uh, lovely to talk to you. I thank you for your information. Thank you very much. Thanks, David. Thanks for having me. And that was Ben Nightingale, the Product Communications Manager for Ford Australia, showing that the love of a performance car is still there and very strong, and perhaps a little bit of a holding on to the glorious past of the V8 engine. But I'm sure he and all of us will take on new challenges as things move into the future. You're listening to Overdrive. As far as people movers go, the Kia Carnival has a 60% market share and the fourth generation Carnival is by far the best model yet. Designed for a large family, the new modern and elegant design hides a cavernous interior. This is like lounge room on wheels for the family. The front seats are extremely comfortable with heaters, electric adjustments, as well as a heated steering wheel. The middle seats are spacious and would certainly be comfortable for transporting the family and the third row are the best in class. Add to this enough room for luggage for everyone on board and you start to understand just how practical the carnival is. 
The Platinum is packed with standard features, both for comfort and safety. And some highlights are a massive moonroof, interior LED mood lighting, and a large user-friendly infotainment screen. The 2.2-litre diesel engine is responsive and economical enough, providing relaxed driving and cruising with an 8-speed automatic transmission. It's hard to describe just how good the Carnival is. Kia's 2.2-litre Platinum Carnival is priced from around 70790 Drive away. I'm Brianna Fraser. You're listening to Overdrive. Well, we've seen with the launch of the Hyundai Ionic 5, an electric vehicle with all the bells and whistles, that they are moving towards using the car for more than just travelling, to have comfort inside, to be able to have an easy sleep in it with a seat that, with a push of a button, folds down. But could we use cars for many other things? Who better to talk about that than our good friend Brian Smith? G'day, Brian. G'day, David. This is happening in Thailand, where Thai taxi drivers found that during the lockdown, they could perhaps try and use their cars in other ways. So they assembled miniature gardens on the rooftops of unused taxis parked in Bangkok. That gave them an opportunity to be useful when they couldn't use them in their usual manner. Is this a thing that we should push for in the future? David, I thought some of our local taxi drivers have been doing this already, but inside the car, um, based on the on the state of some of the seats and the floor, I thought, you know, get in and you think, oh, jolly good compost crop there ready for planting. I think anything to use the vehicles in uh, uh, more creative ways. These are the people who uh, I guess are going nowhere and the vehicles are all stopped and and um, I guess it's one way of, of dealing with the roof. I, I would have thought there's other stuff they could do as well, David. Maybe keep the windows closed, fill the thing with water and, and grow salmon or something like inside. And <laughs> <Turn> it anyway. <laughs> now, I think if they worked in a bigger scale, David, they could start, you know, they could put many, many cars close together, uh, you know, oh. build up some acreage and then, uh, you know, you could have some, I don't know, tractors and such like driving around over the top. They'd have to have, you know, big fat tyres to avoid crushing them. But, hey, it might not be a bad idea to crush them anyway. Maybe push them down with bulldozers into the dirt themselves and, and create a garden where the taxis were. Do you talk then about everything goes back to dirt? Well, this might well be a recycling, that you just drive the car into a ditch and it immediately becomes a farm. Kind of like an above uh, above ground artificial reef. Ah. You know, you could uh, you know get enough together, and you could have wildlife creeping through the the sort of um, through the windows and stuff like a you know those um, tunnels that allow you know wombats to cross big highways. So I guess there's a, there's many things that the cars could do that when they're not moving around. I suppose, David. I have found a reference that says that it is not an alternative revenue stream, but they did have their salaries cut, and so it is really more subsistence to make it work. Perhaps uh, it's the worst thing of all, David, which is just drawing attention to the to the problem. Perhaps that the raising awareness thing, David. Maybe it's all about that. It could be that. The other thing is you would have to be a keen taker of statistics because if your plants grew rather well, then you couldn't get under certain bridges, <laughs> yeah. down tunnels. Big sunflower crop getting in the way. Or you would have kids waiting on bridges, not so much to drop rocks on cars, but to actually pick them if it's a typical 
Bangkok congestion, they'd be stationary for a long time. You'd have to be careful you didn't break too quickly, David, or your acreage could end up on somebody else's property, <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> what, what you're worried about a legal claim, or is that... <laughs> Well, what if someone finds finds gold in the soil, David? We could have some kind of, uh, uh, you know, gold rush. Uh, yes, there okay. could be also certain plants that might be grown that may not be one hundred percent legal. See, now you're into it, David. This is where they could possibly make some money and raise some awareness, isn't it? Big money, make make driving taxi look like small fee, so to speak. All right, Brian. Well, uh, an alternate use for taxis. As you say, uh, perhaps they've shown it on the outside. It could be considered on the inside as well. Brian, thank you for your time. Yeah, thanks, David. And that's Brian Smith, our resident guru and expert in things of the more unusual. And this has been Overdrive. My thanks to James Scrimshaw, Ben Nightingale, Rob Fraser and Paul Just for their help with this program. Overdrive is syndicated across Australia on the Community Radio Network. There's more information at drivenmedia.com.au or previous programs are available as podcasts on iTunes or Spotify. And there's our Facebook page, Overdrive City Driven Media. I'm David Brown. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.